pleased to welcome today Alex Gregory and Peter Hike, uh, co-creators, writers, and executive producers of White House Plumbers, a five-part miniseries uh, airing on HBO and HBO Max beginning May 1. Guys, congratulations. It's great to have you both. Thanks, Carl. Thank you very uh, much, Carl. It looks amazing. And I got to say, I mean, the first reaction, Alex, is, is thinking about Watergate as a subject that we've had half a, de a, half a century to absorb. And, and trying to understand from you guys, you must have seen something original, some story that had not yet been told. Um, was this in your mind? Had this been brewing for, for many years as a dream project? Well, I, the funny thing is, is I'd always consider myself a Watergate junkie. And uh, our EP, Dave Bernad, his dad is a neurologist in Washington, D.C. And one of his patients was uh, Eagle Bud Krogh, who had hired uh, Hunt and Liddy to destroy Dan Ellsberg on behalf of the president. And he was always telling Dave, you've got to meet this guy. Uh, he has these amazing Watergate stories. And, and uh, Dave Bernad said, well, you know, I feel like Watergate's been done. And his dad kept telling him to go meet this guy. So finally he did. And Bud Krog was telling him stories about the plumbers that he had never heard before. And he kept laughing. And, and Bud was telling them very seriously. And Dave was laughing. And he said, oh, my God, I, this is this version of Watergate has never been told. And I think it's a comedy. And so we were working at Veep at the time. And Pete knows uh, Bernard. And so he called us and said, hey, what do you guys think? And we were instantly in thinking, oh, yeah, we know this story. And then when we started to research, we didn't realize how much we didn't know. And that's that's the most fun when you're doing history is to actually discover the history. And so once we realized like how big and weird and funny and sad the story was, we're like we have to do this. This is this is just gold. So it wasn't really so much about thinking about the historical perspective so much as this is the greatest story people haven't heard. And we wanted to keep diving in. And so we you just you just want to share these great stories with the world. I, I, I totally get it. Uh, and Peter, I, I think four break ins. I mean, I, I'm in the news business and I'm not even sure I knew uh, the depth of, of of the part of the story that is usually exposition. Right. It's normally the part that gets you into the movie or the play or the or the script. Exactly. Yes. For us, it was amazing because the Watergate story has always been told from the journalist's point of view, all the president's men. We just met Bob Woodward two nights ago, and it was amazing. And the politicians, you know, the, the Nixon, the Haldeman, the Ehrlichman, but no one had told the story of the, the two guys that actually perpetrated the break-ins, that actually did the dirty tricks. And their story is so much weirder and funnier and sadder than any of the other stories. And it was just waiting to be told. So the more we researched it, the more we realized this is an amazing story. And at the time, um, uh, they just uh, aired Chernobyl on HBO, and Craig Mazin used to come hang out in the Veep writer's room. He was a comedy writer originally, as we were, and we thought, well, he did this amazing job with this historic story and kind of delivered an amazing you know, tale that no one had heard before. We thought, there's probably a, a version that we can do that, that tells the Watergate story no one has heard before as well. I wonder, what did HBO say originally? I mean, I'm thinking of them, they've, they've got such a deep library of political, both humor and drama, right? I mean, you can go, and Veep is obviously a, a huge example, but they've, got, they've done plenty of other things that are, that are political. Was there a sense that the public is receptive to Watergate material because we're in an era where you can imagine political zealots 
doing crazy things again? You know, it's it's funny. I, I know that Len Amato, who uh, was the executive who bought the show um, and is now one of our EPs, he's a political junkie. So as we were pitching the story, he kept leaning forward like, what, really? <laughs> uh, I think the difference with this, because I do know that HBO had passed on a Watergate-themed project before we came in, what we had heard was that they wanted a fresh take. They didn't want another uh, serious, sober look at the corruption of power or uh, the corrupting effects of power. They didn't want that story told again. They wanted a fresh take. And this was not just a fresh story, but we were telling it in a way that I hadn't seen before. And I think seeing Death of Stalin by Armando Iannucci, who created Veep, who, mm -hmm. where we worked, uh, that was incredibly inspiring. To use, uh, I mean, he went even further out than we did because he was using a, a you know genocidal maniac as fodder for comedy. But uh, he was able to take real events and turn them into comedy. And I, so we took it as inspiration, but in this case, because the events were so much more recent and so much better documented, that we thought the best way to do it for comedic effect is just to play it straight because the events were so bizarre you you almost had to pull back a little in places people will think that we were pushing the comedy if anything we pulled it back like for instance Lydia and hunt wore these bizarre costumes with like page boy wigs all real and uh liddy wore a gate altar which was like essentially like a pebble in his shoe to make him limp he also wore a thing to make him lisp <laughs> that we took out because that would have just been a performance nightmare for Justin. So in effect, we were toning down how crazy they were. That, <laughs> I mean, both of you have used the words funny and sad at least like twice. And I wonder, <laughs> as comedy writers, uh, Peter, how, did it feel like you were trying to stay straight as opposed to write jokes? Absolutely, because this story is so absurd that the more straight you play it, kind of the funnier it is. And for us, that we the the early research we started to realize there's a lot of comedy to be told. But then the deeper you go into kind of the family life, you start getting a sense of kind of the the, the sadness and and the the effects that this had on both Hunt and Liddy's families and all the the Cubans and everyone around them. And they all go to jail. And it's I don't want to. Spoiler alert, guys, they get arrested, they go to jail. It doesn't end well for anyone. But but for us, the more we we broke it, it's like it's this great untold story. And and the version that we kind of landed on is it's like a buddy tragedy. Um, Alex, the research, you guys went pretty deep on recreating physical locations, right? Um, uh, yes. very I mean, we're we're talking pretty granular details about how this all went down. Our our production designer, Anastasia White, is a marvel. Uh, what she was able to do with, uh, I mean, right down to like what people are writing on their notepads, the posters in the background. I mean, she got it. She just nailed it. It was incredible. Um, yeah, and as far we as research. At a, at, a, at a screening in D.C., and I had multiple people who work in the White House come to us and said, how did you, they, they were saying, how did you shoot in the White House? because they thought we'd gotten inside the EOB. They said that even like the door plates, everything, they were convinced we got in somehow, and it's a total breach of security. That's how good our team was.
I got to ask you what Woodward uh, did. I assume he was at that screening. What, what did he what did he say to you? Guys? He was at the screen. He would. It was first of all, I have to say, I don't really get starstruck by actors. I was dumbfounded by Bob Woodward. <laughs> like, you have no idea how meaningful that was to meet Bob Woodward. Um, and he just said, congratulations, like you guys <laughs> did it. And he also said that people are going to, he goes, people are going to wonder, was it really this crazy? And he goes, yeah, they really were this crazy. And as he put it, you, you don't have Watergate without Hunt and Liddy. And it's, it's frankly stunning that no one has ever bothered to tell this story. It's, it's in, in many ways the most interesting Watergate story. Do you have any ideas about the answer to that question, Peter? I mean, how could this piece of real estate, right, go empty for 50 years? It, it was, to us, it was shocking. I, I do think, again, calling back to Chernobyl, there was that sense of, yeah, I know Chernobyl. And then you watch the series and you realize, I didn't know 95% of what that story really was. And so that's why watching that series was so fascinating. So for us, we thought, yeah, everyone knows Watergate. You, you hear about Hunt and Liddy, but it's it's really the story of the journalists breaking the story and the politicians and what happens to them. And so it, it, it was this story hiding in plain sight that no one had told the Hunt and Liddy story. And it's these two mismatched guys that got stuck with each other and they were both kind of on the outs with one last chance of greatness and they bricked it in the most monumental way possible. But they really thought they were saving the country and saving the presidency. So telling their story for us was just so much fun. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm I think thinking... it's also. Oh, go ahead, Alex. Well, I was going to say, I think people naturally gravitate upwards. So they if you're going to tell a historical story, they go start at the top. Who was making you know, who was calling the shots? Who, who was in power? As opposed to the people on the ground are actually sometimes have the more interesting and compelling stories. And in some ways, they're the most relatable. Uh, and it also, it's it's a much more cinematic story. Um, people just walking in offices asking what the president knew and when is not as interesting as as two guys with wigs trying to to break <laughs> into a, a psychiatrist's office. It's <laughs> it's just, it's inherently empirically more fun. Right. Does it strike you guys that, I mean, we laugh, but it's, it, 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 in the end, it's not really funny, is it? Do you want audiences oh, it's to? Oh, not funny at all. Yeah, I guess I, I guess there's going to be some element where the audience feels guilty, Peter, at at laughing at some of this stuff. Do Do you want the final reaction to be more about cautionary tales of what happens when when guardrails are broken? I th I think everyone will draw their own conclusion. For us, there there is underlying everything. The theme is kind of the cost of fanaticism, and that is kind of what we were writing towards, but there's also just the human story, and the human story really was this amazing blend of, of tragedy, but also comedy. So I, I think it allows you to enjoy it, because most historic, you know, miniseries, you kind of think, ah, I should watch that. I don't know, am I gonna enjoy it? It seems kind of straight or kind of heavy. And that's why for this story, it, it should be a blast, because the real people and the real stories are hilarious, and then, the takeaway is also, oh my gosh, there there are these very heavy consequences, but it should be a really fun watch. It's 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 not homework. You're not taking medicine. It's it's an absurd, amazing story. Right. While I have you guys, but and you guys, last... can... oh, sorry, go ahead. 
Oh, sorry. The laughs will be uncomfortable. There will be moments where you're laughing and you're like, ooh, I shouldn't be laughing at that. And that's what we were going for tonally the whole way through. Right. While I have you, and you, if you don't want to go here, you don't have to, but um, the, uh, the, the labor situation regarding writers uh, took a turn this week, and it's something Wall Street's watching and anybody who's interested in the business is watching. Can you, what are writer, what's the thinking right now, Alex, in terms of maybe not how well, this is going to end, but how you uh, make an argument in front of the industry and, and even in front of viewers? Here's an, here's a, an explanation, because people are asking, what are you striking for? What it is, is that the way, especially in television, the way writers used to get paid is you would get paid an episodic fee and you'd work on 24 shows per season and you made a good living. And then when the shows were rerun over and over and over again, you got residuals. And when you were unemployed or when you were retired, those residuals uh, were added money coming in. Now... What happens is, is you may take three years to do five episodes at the same episodic fee. And so what happens is, is as everything gets stretched out, you don't make more money. And so we're at a point where writers are actually going to be unable to sustain themselves, will not be able to pay rent, mortgages, feed their kids, because they're being paid by an old model. And so the industry has changed seismically in the last five years, but we're getting paid the way we used to get paid in like 1975. And so they have to figure out a new mode of compensation. I don't know what it is. I'm not a business person, but I do know that they're the middle class of writers is you have writers with, you know, $200 million deals and you have writers who probably have to work other jobs if they're starting out to make ends meet. The middle class is dying, and that's a problem for the industry. And the industry needs to, the, the producers or the studios and networks need to recognize that, the streamers as well. They need to recognize that they're actually going to run out of labor uh, if, if they can't figure out a way to pay people. And the other thing is that if you go to any of the lots these days, they're building massive buildings. You hear like Netflix is buying studios in England, in New Jersey, and whatever. And then... At the same time, you have writers going, I, I, can't, I can't pay my rent. So it's a really, really, really uh, important crossroads we face as an industry and as a guild. And uh, I, I, I just hope that the, uh, the people who are in control of the industry understand that they do have a responsibility to take care of their employees, which is what we are. Yeah. Peter, anything to echo on that? I, I just remain very hopeful that, that, that cooler heads prevail because I think everyone on both sides wants a resolution that respects the writers and keeps everyone working. So that is, we're all keeping all of our fingers crossed that, that, that you know, very smart people in these rooms figure things out. As are, as are we, guys. Uh, again, congrats on the, on the show, the series. Um, we can't wait to dive in and appreciate your time. We hope you'll come back. Sounds great. Really Absolutely. appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks so much, Carl. Uh, Alex Gregory, Peter Hyde, co-creators, writers, EPs of White House Plumbers, a five-part miniseries, HBO, HBO Max, beginning May 1.